we all have those kinds of preferences or oh totally but i posit that you would actually enjoy some of bo burnham's work like he's very interesting in promising young woman Mm, you liked his direction i didn't like that movie though okay yeah but he was interesting in it yeah you're right actually he was and he was playing with the thing that i think he is right and so Right, um, which I don't think he necessarily is. I mean, I, but yeah. that's the tough thing I was talking to Hope about. It, it feels like defending a celebrity's work uh-huh. gets you so close to stan culture, which I hate. You know, I'm just like, I don't have any interest in defending a person as like, I, I'm I'm like, I don't care about Bo Burnham as a dude. You know what I mean? I like, I, but I think you would find his work in, and I think Inside is really good. And the, obviously the stuff he's done with Gerard is really good. And I think you would just, I haven't seen eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll check it out. I think you would, but, but I do want to talk about, I don't, Greg I don't, Gerwig Stan bit. culture is one thing, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about parasocial relationships right. and um, you know, I think that there's like a danger in the way that people talk about it. Like the, to, re, you know, like this idea that you can like somehow resist having these things seems Mm. kind of wrongheaded to me. Like Hmm. I think more importantly or more self-honestly, you know, you can be like, okay, yeah, I, I do have these pair. I can't help but have these parasocial relationships. That is the culture I'm swimming in. Right. And so how do I do that critically, like self-critically? And I think that part of what happens when there's like this denial, like, Oh, that's just celebrity culture. Is that then you're not, you're kind of taken off guard when it actually does happen to you. And it, of course, does happen to everyone. Like That's real. That's real. But I, but I think a lot of people don't do it critically, though. That's what I'm saying is I think that's what we need to be cultivating and not some idea that you can somehow resist having these things, right? It's like, how do you figure out how to, how to, yeah, create a, a culture of criticality, right, about about this phenomenon, right? Um, yeah. I'm going to be talking about a parasocial relationship. I'm going to be talking about two in this episode, so. Yeah. Well, let's just, let, should we just dive into it? Are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and a cultural critic. I'm Dave. I'm a comedian and proud sag after actor. Welcome to Genre Reveal Party, where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, its definition, its limits, and what we can learn by exploding them. Normally, each episode, one of us chooses a TV show or movie to discuss with spoilers, because you don't need to have watched The Thing to enjoy the podcast. This is Season 1, Family Matters. Our final, final episode, a bonus episode, and I would say you maybe don't even need to have listened to the rest of the season to enjoy this episode. Yeah. Although I'd be surprised if people were tuning in without having... I'm going to skip straight to the bonus episode. It seems, seems unlikely, <laughs> but it's it's an option. Sure. So yeah, we just wanted to talk about, you know, this has been an experiment. This is a new... Uh, relationship for us not only a new way of uh, you know collaborating in this way is new for our relationship but we've we've 
even been friends for less than a year, yeah. you know? And I think we're figuring some things out. And I think it's it's a fun opportunity to think through what we've done with regards to genre, genre, genre. <laughs> Uh, and what we've done with regards to the family and and yeah. where we go from here. Totally, yeah. And I feel like, you know, you have another podcast. You are a performer. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot this, this season about having a kind of um, podcast presence. <laughs> okay. My- what have you what have you learned? What are what do you, are there little tips and tricks in your mind that exist now? No, I think if I th- I'm going to sound like an actor, but I'm like if I start talking about it then, you know. <laughs> That's good. That means we've <laughs> we've performer pilled you. I love yeah, it. I don't know. Well, anyways, it's a different a different kind of um It's a different kind of thing, you know, than what I'm De- often doing definitely. which is teaching or writing, right? Um mm-hmm. Or parenting, right? So, I don't know. Sure. But it's been uh, it's been fun. It's been an interesting ride, and I feel like I've learned a lot. And I just wanted to kind of say a blanket statement like that as we go. And, um, yeah, we've been planning a next season, and we're excited to come back um, in the fall after Dave... Mm-hmm does his show you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah i'm putting up my third one-man show uh november not november september September. 28th through october 1st it's four dates they are going to be at the neither the neo-futurists theater in andersonville in chicago i don't have times i don't have ticket links but if you are going to be in chicago during those dates and you feel like marking your calendar my new one-man show is called Here to Make Friends. It is exploring the the COVID new normal through, yeah, talk about lens, through the lens of oh, no. the television show Survivor. So if that sounds interesting to you or you've enjoyed this podcast, then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, mark your calendar and, and follow us and listen to my other show. I'll be announcing stuff, you know. In, in those venues. In those but yeah, venues. so we'll be releasing our new season, season two, mm-hmm. after after October 1st. After October 1st, yes. Yeah. Um, and should we do our theme reveal for that season now? Sure, totally. Yes, Normally so. we do a reveal at the end of the episode, but I, I love we're it. Being, we're breaking our own genre rules. Exactly, I love it. exactly. Um, so... Next season, we're going to be um, looking at kind of like representations of heroes, anti-heroes, villains in film and television. The next season is going to be called We Don't Need Another Hero. We don't need another hero. Right? Isn't that how mm-hmm. the song goes? Yeah. It's a great Tina Turner song. And should and we say, I mean, I think it's... Yeah, we're going to, yeah, we'll start with Thunderdome, right? Which is where that's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, exactly. And I'm very excited to revisit that film with you. Um, And I've not, I visit for the first time for me. I've seen every other Mad Max except for Thunderdome. Yeah, and it'll be fun to talk about all of the Mad Maxes, you know, Mm -hmm. their weirdness. 
because they're like each of them are kind of different different genres in some ways. So it's a pretty sure. it's a pretty interesting terrain to start with. So that's what we'll be doing. Um, and yeah, we wanted to talk about the stuff we did this this um, season, and then like maybe our reveal will be like a couple of films that we didn't get a chance to talk about, right? Sure. Sure. Um, So I've prepared some thoughts about that, um, which feel very timely. But yeah, so we started with Succession. You got to say anything Mm -hmm. about that? Any thoughts about Succession? Are you totally over it now? Uh, Have you forgotten completely? I think I'm pretty... I haven't forgotten, but I'm pretty (laughs) over it, dude. I'm like ready to be done with... uh, with succession it feels like um yeah every discourse online seems to follow the same uh arc these days yeah of people being really into a thing and then some people criticizing it from this very limited perspective i'm thinking of like Mm. the way people are talking about oppenheimer where it's like it almost skipped the first phase, but I think some people really loved it. And then some people were like, it doesn't show Japanese people burning alive. You know, it doesn't have representation of people of color, which is like not the story being told from my understanding. And then, you know, other people mocking those people going, oh, I need every I need a filmmaker to tell me how to feel about every yeah. single character and choice in a movie, which like, yeah, there, there is a lack of media literacy a little bit, but mm-hmm. even pointing that out is starting to feel boring to me. So I don't know, like the idea of yeah. are the Roy's root forable, identifiable, whatever. I'm just like, whatever, man. That's not uh, the point. That's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, but I do have the sense with Oppenheimer, which I haven't seen either. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but it it's an example. I think I've referred to this a few times this season, like of what I call like a saturation point that I can't handle, mm-hmm, right? And I don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think that I can engage with it without some time, right? Like for people to forget about it for some years to go by, and then I can. But there's some things like. Garden State, I don't think I'm ever going to see that movie because it still feels like it's at the saturation point, you know? there's just, That's so funny. There's some I don't things know I just can't is. handle. Yeah, maybe I feel you're like right, that's for but... us as millennials. I don't know if... Sure, I sure. can really imagine Gen Z, that movie having no cultural impact beyond yeah. the really huge in-a-bubble cultural impact it had for us at the time, you know? It was just so gnarly, so I avoided that. I knew I... I, There's no reason... Juno is another movie we talked about, you Mm -hmm, know, that had that mm -hmm. kind of effect. But then there's some things, like, with Succession, where it's like sports, where I don't... I'm not a sports fan, but everybody's talking about it. I want to tap into it. I love following all these different phases of of the dialogue. Um, anyways, but I do think, okay, so all that aside, Oppenheimer, it does strike me as a movie that it's true, as with Succession. Um, you know, there's a reason in terms of the, quote, story it's trying to tell, 
right? Mm-hmm. For it mm-hmm. being all white people, for it being all right. white men. Um, right. There's a reason for that, but I think that's not enough for me. I mean, that that logic isn't sufficient, right? Like, it's isn't sufficient to do what or for what to though. justify. Well, you know, see, I think the it's, story I, that it is telling. Like, why are you continuing to tell that story? Then, right? Is is well my to me to that? Totally, I think to me the criticism. That criticism strikes me as a criticism of Hollywood executives Mm. of like, why are you only making these kinds of stories? Like Mm -hmm. in terms of these kinds of stories, Succession is one of the better, more like powerful ones. So, okay, let's keep Succession. But like, where are the black capitalism shows you know or where are Mm, are and sure and you do see some like uh you know hollywood's gotten a little bit better about that but to me that's the thing i don't know if you can blame individual creators or individual creative teams for that as much as like the people green lighting what gets made yeah but it's like there's no reason why Oppenheimer doesn't have to pass the Bechdel test, right? Like there, there could have been, it's, it's not impossible, right. To, to conquer that, like more narrative, narrative perspectives could be incorporated into that story. Like even, even minor characters, that's fine. But, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting with this. When I left, um, Barbie just walking by like I'm in this crew of like women, kids, pretty <laughs> cool hetero dads <laughs> um and queer people, right? We're coming out of the theater, we're all wearing our, you know, weird I had my one pink shirt on, you know. Of course, you're part <laughs> of this crew. And then you walk by all of these like <laughs> boomer grandpas and their grandsons going to see Oppenheimer. Like, and it's like everyone there's just such a stark contrast between these crowds, at least when I went to the theater. I don't know. That's surprising to me because that was not the, the narrative was Barbenheimer. The narrative was you see both. That's what they wanted. Yeah. They needed to do that because, um, I mean, I don't want to go deep into Cause I haven't actually read too much about like, how that promotional scheme started. I th- I think it was that Oppenheimer was already mm. set and then Barbie, then Warner Brothers was like, okay, we're going to do Barbie the same day. And it was kind of like, this is war. Mm. And so... Right, right, But right. I think everyone knew that Barbie was going to defeat Oppenheimer the whole time. It was just some... One of these kind of bullshit, you know let's bring the movies back campaigns like that Tom Cruise is always kind of puppeteering or something like that, you know? Right. Maybe. Yeah. I I mean, I have, I know, I do know a lot of people who I wouldn't put in boomer dads and their boomer granddads Mm -hmm. and their grandsons who saw, who saw Oppenheimer. Yeah. 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 No, of course. And a lot of people did do both and were interested in the phenomenon. And I think that's, part of how the thing worked but like barbie is 
a family movie and it's a date movie, right? And mm-hmm. so it's a four quadrant film in a way that like Oppenheimer never could be. Oppenheimer is R rated right. and like three hours long. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. There and, should be a quadrant just for like people who are willing to watch a three hour long movie. Absolutely. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like don't buy any of it, but that's kind of a tangent. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> so so that's Succession. Shoplifters. I really enjoyed this. Might be the best movie we covered this season. I think it's absolutely the best movie we covered in the whole season. Although if there was some good stuff we got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cache and us and Teo Rema, even though that uh, never <laughs> yeah. was. Um, those were all good films. So I, yeah, I, I just, I think, I think we both agreed. Although I think. You you tend to re-listen to the episodes after they come out. I don't. I'm going to stop doing that, but I needed to do it. Really? I just needed to start doing it to learn from my mistakes because that was something I I heard that Interesting. one can do, you know. Well, why don't why don't you want to keep doing it? Um because I I don't think I need to always do that i just needed to get break through something and get come get more comfortable with the sound of my own voice and things like that gotcha 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 comfortable with the idea of things does that make sense no totally i i mean i I want to so yeah yeah you do end up listening to it in a way that i don't so right right yeah i the and but the point about shoplifters being my understanding of of the way it turned out i think it turned mm-hmm. out a good episode but i think behind no, the scenes i felt really bad both... about it <laughs> <laughs> okay well all right i i felt pretty good about it but you but i think you did great i remember i remember you feeling like we both just liked it too much and that wasn't interesting enough yeah um <laughs> Well, I think it's a danger of just ha- the kind of totally. Chris Farley effect of just being like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so good, like, and just having right. that to say. And so there's For some sure. things like, um, yeah, where I think that's important to That said, anticipate. I don't want to be like, yeah, absolutely. I just don't want to be also, which I don't think this is what you're saying. I don't want to be like knee jerk uh critical guy no. just for devil's advocate a, a, a true that guy you know no, we're no, not no, trying no, to have no. that kind of podcast no 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 either, no, no. You know? um yeah. but i think we're finding our way and so at that point in the um season we had like maybe half of the the material figured out of what we were going to do mm-hmm. what we were going to mm-hmm. cover And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, with the family, um, pretty much any film or television show can be read through Mm -hmm. this idea of the family, right? Like, yeah, well, we really push that with cruising. I know, but that is actually part of the point that I think we're trying to make. Right. Is that this, Mm -hmm. this is a kind of, this is a social totality, right? Like, and so we can find traces of it everywhere. And so instead of creating some kind of definitive list of 
you know, these are the best movies or the worst movies. We're not really interested in quality, right? We're just interested in looking at things with some genre problems, some political questions, you know, um, but that also help us to construct like a framework for encountering representations of the family, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. and I we do use the word lens like way too much and the editor and me is just um grossed out. Oh, I love I'm it. I'm so sorry. I know. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but we it provides a lens for encountering culture, right? And that's I think yeah. um ultimately what we can do in 12 episodes. We're kind of mm-hmm. just um hopscotching around different kinds of different kinds of shows, different kinds of movies from a lot of them. There's from not the US, a cute arc to no, our there season. isn't. Yeah, and that I think that that's um, that was never really part of our plan, right? But I would like to take the occasion to kind of say, um, we're more interested in kind of how do you talk about culture? How do you talk about representations of the family? What are some questions to ask when you see representations of the family? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, looking at different perspectives, looking at different, um, kind of narrative conflicts around that theme too. Um, so like Rathaniel, I, I know I'm skipping ahead, but that was a great way to end the season. Um, and I thank you for, um, suggesting that because it really is about, um, taking on the category of the family um, in from a place of like of imminence, like from within that category, kind of breaking it apart, not, not entertaining some possibility. Oh, I can get out of this thing. Right. Like I can, the cruising question, right. Like, is that movie somehow not about the family? Yes. We can insist that it is, you know, right, even right, though right, there's right. a complete, it's the absent center of the movie. If you, or something like that, right? Like right. it's what everything is orbiting around and the thing that we can't see. Um, so I don't know. Rathaniel does the opposite move and I don't know. I thought p- puts the idea of family under crisis in really provocative ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And actively makes family of the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Remakes what family is, too, in that process. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And because in a stand-up special, usually, you also get to see an audience. You know, mm-hmm. in the movie, you're not watching another audience also watch the movie. You know, so it's a unique yeah. form in that way. But it it gets to... You know, Rathaniel gets to really show what it's trying to do to us, even within the format of the work right. of art itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Shoplifters, likewise, which was your suggestion too, so kudos again. But um, through Ajwa, friend okay, of the show, Ajwa Edupong, yes, recommended. Um, uh, shoplifters and Corita movies, yeah. But it also, you know, really brings the idea of family under crisis, and it takes okay, it thinks about family as a genre, right? It's something that it appears to be. It, mm-hmm, we assume mm-hmm. through the course of the first act that in fact they are a family, and then we slowly realize that they aren't. 
a biological family, a property-bound right. family, a legal family, or even a chosen family, right? Um, I mean, in some ways, right? But I think what was interesting for me this season was the way in which especially you troubled the idea of even a chosen family. Because I think yeah. that would be the the easiest way to, you know, the the tidiest way to under quote undermine family is to mm-hmm. go well really what we need is a chosen family but then yeah. to also skip ahead on my part when we get to fate of the furious sure. we have you know the this gang that is a chosen family right where at times blood is still somehow supersedes it so i think it's interesting to go yeah okay sure chosen family but even a chosen family isn't without its uh, its problems occasionally from blood family. And I think shoplifters is really magical in how it depicts that, right? Because it's about, I mean, the chosen family is an absolutely beautiful impu- impulse, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's also an impossibility because we can't remake the family. We can do it maybe temporarily, like in the Rathaniel sense, right? Like for an hour in this, you know, glimmers of that, right? But we can't actually do that without the state and capitalism intruding mm-hmm. upon it, right? We can't create, I mean, and it's beautiful. Shoplifters is about this little enclave, like spatial enclave that they've created where they retreat together and they're able to put the scraps of that vision together. But, um, but yeah, ultimately the state capitalism, um, mortality like um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. come in and and disrupt that and and even i mean the precarity that that enclave is structured by too right like every, even this like beautiful sense of abundance that they can create with each other around a meal you know it's just so precarious it's um yeah totally. so i don't know it's a beautiful film um Okay, Juno Jr. I loved it. It was a cute idea, but I also keep, I keep thinking back and I'm like, yeah, this was a good pairing. This is a good double feature. And I would recommend mm-hmm. uh, it as a double feature to anyone who's interested in uh, a pregnancy double feature. <laughs> um, something that came up for me, I'm going to just thread this in right now because you brought this up during this and I kept thinking about it with my partner Kyle is this um, moment that Junior um, seems like the last gasp of, which is the three men and a baby moment. Could you, (laughs) like, share your thoughts about that, like, weird (laughs) subgenre? Because I think it's very true. Twins was the precursor with DeVito and Schwarzenegger. Fits very neatly into that. I I mean I just am fascinated. So occasionally, you know, we're we're doing uh, our our part of the peak behind the scenes is that you know we we set films, we set some guests, but things get reshuffled. Occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, we don't end up doing something we thought we were going to do. So occasionally, I would be like, "Let's do three men and a baby. Let's do three men and a little you said lady." Said it a number of times, I said it like multiple <laughs> times, because I just am fascinated. Like that was a that was a movie. I remember being big in my childhood mm-hmm. and it fascinates me how popular those movies were mm-hmm. and how not made at all those movies are now. 
Like even more than <laughs> like, oh, there's no, the, like even more than the erotic thriller, right? Like there's mm-hmm. elements of erotic thrillers even in TV, but like three grown men taking care of a child, but <sighs> they're not gay. And I, as far as I remember, that was like kind of made a big deal out of that they oh, weren't really? gay. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. I forget exactly, but it's like, so these definitely like if Tom Selleck's one of them, right? It's like paragons of masculinity in some mm-hmm. ways, right? And so it's like this weird, but they're taking care of this baby girl who then becomes a a child that they take care of, and it's just like hijinks ensue, you know. And so it's who do this, we got? Like, we got Tom Selleck, Ted yeah, Danson, Steve Gutenberg. That's right. That's right. right that's right. And I want to bring up the first one was directed by Leonard Nimoy. And I love that. That is so crazy. (laughs) But I haven't seen it since I was a kid. So, but yeah, there are always these like very contrived situations so that we could see male homosociality without it being gay, right? Bosom buddies, like on TV. It's very full house. Full House, yeah, becomes like the, God. I the can't TV believe shows. we didn't do Full House. Well, that would I'm have been so a real glad. thing. I this. really yeah. hate Full totally. House. Totally. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting. Um, I mean, it's like the counterpart of the erotic thriller. Like, if we think about the erotic thriller, <laughs> is as how? Well, if we think of the erotic thriller as like as um, a response to family values, right? Mm-hmm. We can also mm-hmm. think about this as another kind of. It's an assertion of family values of like, even in a weird looking family, you can Mm -hmm. still have things be normal. You can still have things be, you know, I grew up in like evangelical Christian media and this was something that that we still watched. So it was like still definitely upholding a paragon of, you know, some sort of normal family in the midst of extreme quote, abnormality, you know? But it's like expressing a desire to see different kinds of relationships, which is what I think the erotic thriller has in common with it, right? Mm. To see kinds of relationships mm-hmm. that are excluded from the family form, right? Um, and in this case, like with twins, oh, they're biological brothers, you know, estranged from each other. They're twins, right? right and they're going to right. find their mother, right? Um and then Junior is like, I just really. Ca- ca- the other thing that would be great is a twins Junior double feature. Just like oh, looking at the sure. arc between those sure. two, how it takes that, like, oh, the reason why these two men have this relationship is because of uh, biology, right? Yeah. Um, or honestly, a total recall Junior. Double oh my feature. god, that'd be really funny. But Devito, you've got Quato, the 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 being coming out the guy's stomach. So you've, you've seen Total Recall, right? Yeah, no. Um, but Devito isn't in it. So. I know, I know. It's it's, it's a different. Yes, imperfect. Anything without Devito is perfect, <laughs> for sure. Um, no, but but. Uh, it's kind of interesting to think about Junior as taking the twins formula like 12 or 14 steps further. Right? It's so absurd. Yeah. Right? But these yeah. these these bizarre premises that 
make it okay, right? To see to see these kind of like yeah, the, the these are homoerotic moments where like Devito's like touching Schwarzenegger's belly, and <laughs> I mean it's beautiful, but um, but it has to but be you know this what kind it- of absurdist premise right what you know what it's also pairing with me as as i'm mm. thinking about it and i i just looked up the the date release dates and it does square with this hmm. it's also kind of a jurassic park pairing of like mm. science taken to its ultimate sort of conclusion Frankenstein-y, like frankenstein yeah what are we doing <laughs> like the preciousness of life and jurassic park is 93 and junior is 94 I think there's something there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And I'm just thinking of that scene where the velociraptor is hatched, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Attenborough's, you know, birthing the <laughs> the baby raptor. Yeah. I'd love hey, it. Hey, raptors it. Like, like to mix cuisines as well, you know? I don't want to talk about Juno at all. But okay. if you have something Great. to say about Juno, I've already said my point about it being a saturation point movie. I was I was happy to not dislike it as much as I remembered. I, I, I'm I'm always pleased. It feels like growth on my part. Yeah, I didn't love it. Hater. I'm not I'm not such a hater anymore. Yeah, that's cool. Um, a serious man. That I was surprised you didn't put that. But then not surprised when you were talking about your sort of best of list. I would put mm. that among the best movies we covered. I think it but is I would too. guess oh okay. I would no, guess that it's, it's, it's lack movie. of it's lack of female represent you know, three dimensional female representation oh. is definitely lacking, you know. But uh Yeah, all I, of the that women was, in to it me, are horrible monster. Women. Yeah, yeah. And um Well except for the neighbor d- who's cool and she fucking smokes weed, man. No, she's also horrible. Nah, she's so. sick, dude. Her she she suns her breasts, her breasts commune with nature and the sun. It's good. Alright. <laughs> but I I to me I will say on a meta level, mm-hmm. this was the first episode. It was our first episode with guests, mm-hmm. and it was a first episode that I was like, you know, I have guests on my show, and they're not all comedians. They're not; they come from different um, worlds. Mm-hmm. But this show, and and you and I's different backgrounds, feel like we can create these these tableaus of episodes of like to have Daniel and Shira on that episode. It was great. Like, a yeah. Job scholar and a Jewish comedian was just like fucking cool. Like I, I, I loved it. I think it's fun that we get to do stuff like that. It just yeah. I'm only sad that Daniel had to leave early because I think it would have been uh even more fun if he had been there the whole time. Daniel so, come back, you know. Yeah. Talk about something yeah. else. All right. And speaking we of did- coming back, fucking oh. Jasmine in Jasmine. the Michael Douglas trilogy. I want to give a shout out to Kyle for coming on our bonus about succession. Yes. Thank you. Um, Which we should say Kyle is your partner, not your like because <laughs> because technically <laughs> at the time you were like speaking of podcasting, you were like we know each other well. <laughs> Having the same last name doesn't mean like you could he could have been your brother, he could have been a cousin, you know. So 
I think yeah, it's fair. I know. It's... He's my partner. <laughs> yeah. He's the person I watch a lot of this stuff with, and yes. um, sometimes he gets obsessed with things more than me. And I wouldn't say that was the case with Succession, but mm. I was I was stoked to bring him on to talk about. Yes, and I did not mean finale. to overlook him. Only only to glide past Succession, not to glide past Kyle's very solid contributions. The BattleBots really did like bring it. a lot. I thought it was a more layered metaphor than I than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that he was practicing it like Roman was practicing the eulogy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but I, that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah. The next but Jasmine felt like my episode. best friend as as well. Just immediately, I felt very oh, yes. welcomed into your dynamic, and that she's was a my blast. Best friend, I was like, we got to have Jasmine on every season, or as oh, often yeah. as she's as she's, she's able. She's coming back for the next season. We've already picked a film. We won't oh, talk about it yet. Sweet, sweet, but, sweet, amazing. Um, but yeah, that was really fun, and um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, she's. She's great. In my book, I write about her a few times, but a few people have told me that they really like this this one part that I describe our relationship and how we would watch um, sitcoms together in the end of high school, like mm-hmm. really toxic, you know, must-see TV sitcoms like yeah. Friends, and how we would teach each other to laugh at it, you know, and um, kind of extract the poison from it. Um, an OG killjoy. An OG killjoy, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I feel like you and I are definitely kindred spirits. We have that connection, and it was it was nice to bring Jasmine on. So, yeah. Haters unite. Killjoys unite. We're not haters. We okay. love our friends. And we uplift them. (laughs) Okay. Love it. Love it. I'm just thinking about haters. Haters? No. Haters? No, I know. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean about that distinction? Like, I do know what you mean. And I think it's. To somebody, if you're going to hate on them, like, that's messed up. Like, if you need to feel above your friends, like, you're actually not friends. Actually, you don't know what friendship is, then. Yeah. But that's relatable, right? It is, but it's usually like when somebody's going through a rough patch, you hope that that's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. deal. Like, if the whole basis of your friendship is feeling above someone, though, and hating on them... Then you might be an open know? mic comedian. Yep. <laughs> you said it. Um, yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. That's Speaking of friends, Killjoys unite. Killjoys can unite. I, no, I totally I'm agree. Haters don't know how to unite. Is all I'm, Haters, I'm it's an overused term anyway. And yeah. Killjoys is, Kill is Joys a pet. Is better. Yeah, it's good. So the but next speaking of ep- friends, oh, Michelle. We, sh- we had Michelle. And that was great. Michelle O'Brien talked about Picard. And I mentioned in the last episode that her book um, is out now, Family Abolition, Capitalism and the Communizing of Care through Pluto Press. It's a great, mm-hmm. great book. Um, and she goes much deeper into um, what the hell family abolition means, you know, um, which is something we've touched on a few times. But I want to I want to get get to that for a minute here, because yeah, um, 
the main thing that, you know, I ever hear when I speak of family abolition, which I often don't because it, it is exhausting having to like unpack yeah. that, that concept, but is, well, because you know, it is still a really foreign concept to like 99% of people. It's a, oh yeah, it's a very fringe kind of um, concept within, you know, Marxist feminism and queer yeah. communist thought too, right? Um, which is less and less the case, but Michelle's right. book really um, does a great job of historicizing, you know, this was something that was, you know, um, kind of a generative concept in the 70s, and then it disappeared, and it kind of reappeared around the mid-2010s, you know, and mm. has become more and more, it's gained more and more traction within the left, um, but still within the last 10 years. So um, that's also why people don't quite get it. That makes sense. It's not something we've been um, kind of cultured to understand in basic yeah. terms, right? Yeah. But... um the way that Michelle really helpfully frames this idea is that it is not about destroying families. It's not about destroying your family. Mm -hmm. It's not about family separation. Like there's all these kind of very dystopian, um, totally horrorscapes, you know, that come to mind when you hear family abolition, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the family is for the lucky few of us, how we get care, resources, love. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so why would we want to get rid of this? Right. And, um, that totally makes sense, but the problem isn't that it's mm -hmm. that that's a privilege that the lucky few of us do have. Right. Right. Um, right. that not everyone has family that, that many are excluded from family or disciplined into, um, normative, sexuality and gender or like white supremacist kind of behaviors through the idea of the family, like in, in a need, a desperation to be included within it. Right. So, yeah. um, the scarcity of family is really what she's talking about. And so in family has to be scarce. It is an object of scarcity. So mm. Michelle's book is really about, thinking about how to explode the family from within it, like how to take the things that are good about the family and make it for everyone and not just the few, right? Um, to yeah. expand those resources for everyone. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. And I loved how she was tracking that in Star Trek and Picard. And it really, I did a book event with her in Eugene a couple weeks ago. And I kind of yeah. offhandedly like mentioned that, Michelle was really fascinating in her thinking about Star Trek. And actually mm -hmm. the audience got really excited about it and brought it up a few times in the Q&A. And I think it is a really great tangible way of thinking about family abolition, right? Because when you're watching Star Trek... Did you Trek, point you just... them to the podcast? Yeah. Uh, Michelle did, in fact, because she's a good okay, friend. Good. Good, but, good, good. Um, you know, there's a, there's a way that you can really... Um, viscerally understand what family abolition might look like when you're watching Star Trek, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, um, totally. That was totally. a fascinating part of our conversation. I thought I really, 
I mean, that's what was so amazing about everything for everyone. Speaking of Michelle books, the oral history of the New York Commune 2052 to 2072. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shit like really uh, weirdly influential piece of art in my life. Not only got me into, I, th- I think, I think there is a it's kind of how we met. <laughs> it's how we, it's how we met. So thus how this podcast was born. And yes. it got me into the Purge movies because I was looking for <laughs> other like dystopic, utopic visions, which got me into horror movies, which was like a whole new thing in my life. So yeah, I yeah. fuck with Michelle's work heavy. Yeah, we we recommend we are can we say we're Michelle stands? Well, to the extent that we are stands for anyone. Can say that um, ironically in a kind yeah. of Juno esque way. We can say that. <laughs> Right. We're Michelle um, Stan's home skillet. Home skillet. Okay, <laughs> so next up, I loved the pairing for our Fast X conversation. Uh, fast, Wait, it fate fast of the Furious. X. It wasn't Fast in our, X. <laughs> in our fucking document, you still have Fast X. Okay, but oh, which whoops. I still haven't seen, but now I want to see. I love it. I have gotten yeah. hooked on the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes. I don't know any right. of the de- like I'll watch it. It goes in one ear, out the other, totally. through my eyeballs, like out of the other side of my brain. Like it <laughs> does not stay there. Which um, is great. Makes it endlessly rewatchable. But I loved putting our two friends another occasion of yeah, curating mm-hmm. an awesome experience from our different worlds. We mm-hmm. had Joe Giardini and Emma Gonzalez, and that was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Yes, I that was that's that that episode was the closest I've felt to performing on stage in a long time because that that mm. was the most like character I've I've been. I was really yeah, I was really I was really you an antagonist in that in that episode. I don't think I was. I don't think I only worked myself. I think I was worked into the corner yeah, a no, little bit. But you were worked into it, and I did. <laughs> but it well, was fun. I was, I, I was just worried. I'm like, I'm like, do people think I'm like a piece of shit? <laughs> but I'm okay with Never. that. I'm okay. But it was it was fun. But you know, you're you, when you're when you're being ironically uh, problematic, you you run the risk of. Uh, being actually problematic. Being actually problematic. <laughs> no, it's but fine. I had a lot of fun. We I thought that episode was super too, fun. Off, yes. off. Mm. A lot of processing. This there this this processing. has been a yes, very um, friendship yeah. processing process. It has been, and that was a good example of it. But in terms of the kind of experience I want to have of the Fast and Furious, I think Joe and Emma were excellent guides and i had not i was the only one of us who hadn't seen any of these yeah and um yeah i won't even say it's something where i was like oh that's a saturation point like i'm not gonna see garden state Mm. i was just like fuck this shit this looks stupid (laughs) and why is this taking over every movie theater but that's what's so beautiful diesel and the rock i'm like are these even (sighs) yeah what is going on here what kind of yeah. drugs are they taking to look like that? <laughs> sure, Especially The sure. Rock, right? He's right, got to have right. some wild formula that he's, oh, right? Yeah, it must be. He's it juicing must be. on something. I was watching the Netflix uh, American Gladiators docuseries, and they were talking about all the like HGH and stuff that they were on, or like anabolic steroids versus like there are there are 
there are performance enhancing drugs that aren't steroids. So people mm-hmm. could say, no, I'm not taking steroids, but still be juicing in so many ways. And he, I mean, you know, allegedly, yeah. allegedly, allegedly, but, allegedly, 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 but the rock must be, uh, yeah. Yeah. He oh, looks yeah. like a fucking pyramid, inverse pyramid. It's insane. I just yeah. don't understand how his body exists. That's how I felt when I watched it. Yeah, totally. But I think those movies, you know, in terms of the, like, their ubiquity, I think they're so much more interesting than the Marvel stuff. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I have yeah. not seen any Marvel movies, yeah. really. A few. It's been a long time for me. I've intentionally just been, like, tapped out on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I've, I think, yeah, I've seen a few, like, okay, I watched Black Widow while I was on a plane. Mm, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, but I want to say something about that. Um, in mm-hmm. Black Widow, there's like a 15-minute um, plane crash sequence. Okay. And I just feel that like on... Sorry, this is kind of a Jerry Seinfeld moment for me. But sure. <laughs> I don't feel like you should have representations of plane crashes available yeah. to watch on a plane. But maybe right? that's like a soothing thing in some ways. Like, like uh, no. you know, Hope <laughs> did not want to watch any pandemic related, like any uh, virus, you know, yeah. apocalyptic things during lockdown. But I kind of did, you know, I was like, I guess you're right. Show yes, me World War Z, you know, but there should be partitions there are, like, or rules something. about pornography, though, on planes. Right. So, like, I feel like it should, should also apply to um, to representations of plane crashes, because even if you as the user don't feel that way, the person next to you could be like hope. Right. And be yeah. and still see your movie. You know, I just want to say, I'm surprised. This is a very Tipper Gore um, I know, look I know. for you. Sometimes I like to, I like to play this role of of rule maker. It's fun. It's like, okay. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, the next film we watched was Cachet. Great yeah. film with Bettina. That was very strange back and forth between Fate of the Furious and Cachet. Really, very like, weird. But yeah, we have to explain that this is because there was a technical disaster, which was Terrema. It's just disaster. But what's also but funny want, is there yeah. are people who only listen to the show who did not, who were not even aware that Terrema was coming. But because we announced it on social media, and I think it was the right thing to do. But I think there's, I think the what oh. to you and I is is Terrema Gate might not be as big of a an issue to people who weren't planning the show. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. This yeah. is a great movie. It's included in our list of films that we recommend watching on the theme. We wish that we could have given you the episode with Joanna Isaacson, but Joanna mm-hmm. will be back with us next season. Yeah. She'll, yeah. she'll, yeah, she'll definitely come back. I, I was cooler on Teorema, but I'm fine with your recommendation of it. Yeah, you didn't like Teorema that much, but it was too, it was too weird, man. I feel like a square, but I was just like, this shit's fucking. You didn't like how weird it was. It felt like an essay. It felt like an essay rather than a movie to me. But well, that that's what it, it's called. A theorem. It's a theorem. I know. I that's know. its genre. 
So I know. There you go. But you watched. But cachet was tight. Cachet was the kind of grade. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so. <laughs> but you didn't tell me to watch eighth grade. If you did, and we discussed it, I would watch it. It's not like I'd show up on this and be like, "I didn't watch the movie." I said I would discuss with you. Oh, our next season oh, well. is only—it's twelve episodes of us dissecting eighth grade. Um, oh no! But but cachet was the kind of weird that was perfect to me. I'm like, it's, it's yeah. weird. There's so much subtext. There's so much, you can bring so much in by learning more about the historical yeah. events that it references. And there's just really ballsy filmmaking stuff of a final scene where you don't hear the dialogue between two loved characters. It. Yeah. It was, I love, but it. I'm interested in what you didn't, how I think that they're very similar films. I see, I see them as very much, um, doing the same kind of thing you it know, just had a story cachet yeah i think Terrorama, a... you gotta rewatch it someday <sighs> okay, it might help maybe. you but whatever maybe whatever okay the <laughs> next thing we watched was the royal tenenbaums which it really surprised me that i wanted to watch this but i went to see asteroid city mm-hmm. i suggested it um mm-hmm. i just had a sense that it would be good to talk about wes anderson and the family um, and yeah, I don't know. I'll leave it at that because I don't have much to say about it. It was, well, you were a hater. in in the interest of my, no, well, yeah, I'm a hater of the movie, but yeah. in terms of the episode, I think, you know, I'm doing some meta analysis of, of our process as we're going here. And mm-hmm. I thought this was a watershed episode for Mm. me personally, but I think for the show where it really felt, I mean, it was after having a bunch of guests. So maybe that Mm. was part of it, but it really felt like we found something and maybe it's because so often you and I, for various reasons, evangelical childhood, massive time in grad school for you. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, these different moments when we're kind of pulled out of mainstream culture or immersed in very right. obscure cultures, you and I don't always have the same like cultural milieu for understanding a movie, which is so interesting. True. Yeah. You know, because I and do like, have like a dead period from culture. Yeah, totally, um, totally. And I'm like, you're way more of a film buff than I am. I also like don't yeah. know a bunch of very basic stuff. And so this was interesting because we got to talk about like iPod culture, you know, right. and like, and, and we had a very shared um, experience of the movie. And also for me, this is where I learned because I, this is where another critique I will offer of the podcast. And I'm happy mm. to cut this out if this feels General too vulnerable critique, to you. Self critique. Yeah. What? But I think, I think we, at least I've experienced watching these things, you know, we make notes, we have this like, what what is it? Let me. What's the page count at this point? I think ninety three page. Ninety three pages. Yeah. Ninety three page Google Doc of our of our notes, and I have tended to, especially before this episode, focus on. Ooh, got to get this bullet point in. Ooh, I have these notes. Blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. and literally even just recording this remotely, focusing on a different part of the screen changed my experience of recording these episodes so you Mm. 
brought Royal Tenenbaums to the table. I didn't have to bring a bunch of, um, I didn't have to write anything in terms of an opening summary. And I, and I very consciously was like, just sit and react to what Madeline is saying. And I very much like hung in the zoom window with you. And, Mm. and I think that changed a thing that we have a tendency to do both of us sometimes, which is Mm -hmm. like, sometimes wait for each other to talk so it's or wait for our turn to talk so it's like here's my point i have this point and then it's like well i haven't thought that much about that point so uh here's my point and it's like interesting stuff but like i really felt like we were like building something together in that royal tenenbaums yeah it was good and i would love to keep doing that in the next season yeah that clicks for me and that was where i was like in the course of the season, I was glad to have a couple of chances to do one-on-ones with you because I felt like I got my stride. Yeah, yeah. totally, and, totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, The Royal Tenenbaums is a great example of one of these, an ideal kind of movie for us to, to go into because we do have stuff to say about the quality, but that's not really our our main mm-hmm. interest mm-hmm. and it's just a good conversation piece you know yeah, and totally. it's also um yeah nice to to touch on our shared history as geriatric millennials right exactly that's, exactly that's what we are so our next was us another film that i'm like i don't need to go any further into it other than just saying go watch us we both Great really movie. liked it I think your Santa Cruz context added some to that episode, but yeah, absolutely. Um, And then we have Rathaniel, which we've already talked about, but... And we talked about cruising a little bit as well. Oh, I forgot about how we... Yeah, cruising. Yeah. With Max. Thank you for coming on, Max Fox. Um, I I loved revisiting cruising and I was very nervous about it. I thought you might... Mm. I thought you might hate it. And I thought it might oh, be no. another Teorema where I gave you like a boring assignment, no, but I liked it. I just really had a sense it would be a fun, fun one to discuss. So. And I didn't hate Teorema. If you're gonna assign something, I'm gonna be engaged in it. I mean, that's the fun. Yeah, it, yeah. Th- that's the fun but of you doing just, this. You found it frustrating. I, uh, yes, I found it frustrating, which is fine. Uh, we can have frustrations in life, mm-hmm. but that's that's the fun. I mean, as a performer, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Who has, not, as a live performer, who has not performed live more than literally a single handful of times since March 2020, I really, the, the experience of self assigning homework even beyond the assignments, you know, so being like, um, what was the, Oh, for the, for the succession finale, like I watched, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Clayton, you know, just like these, yeah. like these, j- just assigning other context movies and really getting to live in these worlds is the closest I've felt to the high of performing. Uh, it's different, but yeah. so I, I love being assigned things and cruising was fucking tight. I mean, I'll remember that cruising soundtrack for a long time. I thought the soundtrack was so fucking cool. Yeah. It's a great um, soundtrack. It was really interesting. And it was fun to talk to Max. I mean, I it was it's definitely a film that okay, Max is just great. There was um this wedding. I I went out to Philadelphia for a wedding and stayed with him and 
during that weekend, we went to see um, A Star is Born, the, okay. the new one okay. with Gaga and yeah, Bradley yeah, Cooper. Yeah. And um, because I was writing a review of it, um, mm. and then we went back to his place and we watched the Barbra Streisand mm. Star is Born. And we just kept talking. And I forget, it's, there was a there was one point, maybe it was after the Streisand, we went out and we had like some food at a diner and it was really late at night. This is one of those like pre-COVID nostalgia stories yeah, yeah. it's turning into. But um, yeah, he's just somebody who I enjoy getting really deep into something with and um, he's game. So yeah. it it's a perfect film for him. He's not a, a film studies kind of a person or anything like that. Um, but just the kind of analysis he can offer something like, you know, a film like cruising is exciting. Um, so yeah. Um, the only thing I wanted to add about Rothaniel is kind of on that note too, is I, I really enjoyed talking to Tim, uh, Tim Barnes, our guest and, getting a chance to um, talk to two comedians and performers as somebody who's, you know, studied comedy and written about mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to geek out about a, a brilliant special like this with two performers was um, really exciting for me. So, uh, yeah, I think Tim is just a blast. His episode of my podcast, which was in the last like, month or so is really great and he's just he's just one of those people he's like so it's just so easy to talk to him and Mm -hmm. that's definitely a skill of his like he it it is it that is the kind of thing that is not easily come by that's not just a natural you know maybe there's an element of that but he's a very he's very skilled at making you comfortable around him and mm-hmm. keeping things going, keeping it popcorning, keeping it light, mm-hmm. and it was it was cool of with him as a as a stand up who doesn't watch that many specials. Uh, right. You know, I like to think that I keep up with some of the like big name ones. You know, like yeah, I saw yeah. John Early's special. I okay. saw Bo Burnt the Inside right as it came out. You know, I saw Rothaniel as soon as it came out. You know, but but like, yeah. Um, I'm selective but some people about don't that even too. do those. Yeah. Well, I'm selective about that as a person who's prone to write about comedy. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, is the way of like making work out of it. I think I kind right. of related to what he was saying about, about that. Not that I'm a stand up comedian myself and sure. performing and I'm feeling like it'll interfere with my work in that sense, but just that, um, it's just distracting. It's like, oh, I want to write about this. And totally. needing to not write about everything. Right. And so there's some things where I avoid um, for that reason. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a blast. And I thought we, you know, in terms of what we did, you know, you, you drew sort of a, a linguistic connection between genre and family early on. And yeah, I was, I wanted to make sure that that was a, that was like, cause I thought that was very clever on your part. And then I was like, I want to make sure that this, that we're honoring that. And it's not just like a cool, clever, 
like, oh, no. genus is the base of both of them. And that's not on that's not a judgment you. of you. That's a yeah. that's an instinct I have of my own. You know, I'll get in love with an idea and be like, yeah, yeah. aren't I smart for thinking this thing? Um, no, but I think but we did. I think we really, I think I we think really so, did because, explore. Yeah. Yeah. Genre is a way of thinking about things in relation to each other. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And in terms of power structures, mm-hmm. um, internally. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that it was a cool way to start. It was complicated. And I think maybe our next season will be less complicated to maneuver around, but right. I hope that that connection felt clear enough and then we kept kind of exploring it but it's a kind of content form question that i wanted to raise at the beginning of of the season thinking about part of what we're doing critically kind of methodologically in troubling genre is something like family abolitionist right that it has a kind of political connection to that project right um and yeah that we're undermining or questioning the status quo that it's like yeah what we think we know about genre how is that helpful how is it unhelpful how can we think differently right and genres are about rules that's what genres Mm -hmm. impose right um yeah and so we might think of the kind of the family ideal as doing the same thing as disciplining us as um, being normative, right? And so, yeah, we're interested in stuff that's whether or not intentionally deeply troubled by genre, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I do think mm-hmm. that that's kind of a fun question to keep revisiting. Is you know, there's some things where, like Jordan Peele. He absolutely fucking knows what he's doing with genre. At yeah. Every step, yeah. right? Totally. But then you encounter something like, I don't know. Junior? Junior. <laughs> that thinks it's part of just this or, this old yeah. genre of family-friendly weirdo comedies. Yeah. Or cruising. I mean, yeah. it was pretty interesting to talk about the making of cruising and how that was actually happening um, through the course of the production, right? It's just right. not really knowing what genre this film <laughs> is going to mm-hmm. end up being. Um, I actually watched um, Casablanca this week with um, my kid Tuli. Tuli had never seen it. And the story about Casablanca, I, I don't know if you know about the screenplay of it there's this like mythology basically about it that they didn't know how it was going to end as they were filming it so they're filming it and filming it and they didn't and it's interesting it came out in 1942 and it's about something that happens in the end of 1941 it's very much you know situated in world war ii in terms of its plot you know mm-hmm. um and it's fascinating to watch it knowing this right that they didn't and it of course, the thing that we know about Casablanca is its ending, right? I mean, even people who haven't seen Casablanca know how it ends, probably, right? I mean, have you seen right, Casablanca? What? Can you I tell have. me it's that? It's been you- a long time. Uh, he gets on a plane. He looks at you, kid. What? I don't know. What? What's the ending? He okay. So she shows up at his gin 
gin joint, you know, of mm-hmm, all the gin mm-hmm. joints in all the world, right, which yeah. is in Casablanca. She is fleeing um, from France with her husband, who is, um, you know, uh, a kind of hero figure uh, for how he's stood up to the Nazis. He fled from a concentration camp and was said to be dead a bunch of times. And he's Mm. kind of this really important, prominent figure. Um, And um, let's, I mean, there's a lot of French nationalism and bullshit to kind of parse through there, but that's his deal. And Rick is an antihero. He's kind of a crotchety drunken asshole who owns this Mm -hmm. gin joint and he's brokenhearted and his the woman who broke his heart shows up with her husband and they need to flee he has the documentation to help them flee but until the end he's withholding that he's like gonna let Mm. them die in Casablanca because he's angry and vengeful and Mm -hmm. then in the end he finally decides that he's going to um, create this scheme so it seems like he's going to leave, but in fact, he's going to force her to go with him because it's the right thing to do, right? Wait, who's him? Force her to go with her husband? Yeah, Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, yeah, Ilsa, yeah. the okay. woman who broke his heart. Right. So he forces her to go on the plane um, but it was funny to watch because Thule turned to me and was like, D- is she barbying him? Because she's kind of tricking. There's this point where you're like, is she coming mm. on to Humphrey Bogart so that he'll... Oh, nice. Like, you know, there's this other kind of reading. But I like those tensions in the film that you can kind of read it in all these ways. But the way it's often remembered is completely filtered through Humphrey Bogart's, like, heroic... Right act you know um and i and i appreciated how it's a little bit more ambiguous but um it's amazing because yeah and then he goes off with the police officer who kind of also is like a rogue guy maverick figure and they say he says you know i I have this the feeling this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship and it's like actually this movie about like Mm -hmm. uh, yeah male homosociality like male friendship Um, but how weird that they had no idea that it was going to build up to that. Like, Mm -hmm. as you watch it, it's almost like, mm, it's hard not to feel it reverse engineered from that, from that final scene. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I forget how we got to Casablanca, but I'm here for it. Well, no, we were talking about cruising and how... He didn't, through the course of, of making mm. that, he didn't know what the fuck this movie was going to be and how the end, He right, it, it almost seemed right, like he was right. banking on a kind of Casablanca epiphany and it just didn't work. Well, <laughs> it really like, sounds like... What the hell like, is this ending? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know if it didn't work, but I think it. Yeah. it is, my understanding, very 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 distant understanding of filmmaking is that it really is in the edit a lot is that like maybe you don't need to know the ending that like you kind of can play around with stuff yeah 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 that the director can like yeah figure some shit out in i mean there's a lot of directors who definitely that's their 
that's right. their method, right? right? Is kind of um keeping keeping actors out of out of that bird's eye view that they that they have to have. So maybe that's but what I should do with these episodes next season is really get get into the edit room and and start chopping yeah. things up making oh boy 20 minute episodes with surprise endings just when you know that i said i've stopped listening to them <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah you're like what <laughs> like, oh, yeah? it's a 25 minute long episode anyways um so i want to talk about uh some movies that we didn't get to yeah and one thing so um, I'm going to say this up front. I talked to Kyle, my partner, not somebody you know we're like who I just know an hour well. and 15 minutes in. I don't know how up front we're getting right now. <laughs> Whatever, you're such a dick. <laughs> what? You're just, like, you're just like an hour in, you're like, I'm going to say this up front. <laughs> in terms of this segment of our wrap up. Wrap up. Yes, thank you. So you talked to Kyle. (sighs) He suggested Dinosaurs. Do you remember that show? Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that a great one? Fuck, that would have been great. And um, have you seen the end of Dinosaurs? I remember, like, people making a big deal about it. It's like they're hit by an asteroid, right? Can I... Oh, I can't share my screen with you. I wanted to show you the last last scene of of dinosaurs. Well, wait, you can't. Why can't you share your screen? It says it's been disabled. Oh, here, let me. Here. You can share. I can send it to you and you can share it. <laughs> okay. Well, I did just enable you, but I'll Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. You have to write down that this is this really stupid moment in our recording, too. Okay, sounds good. Oh, my God. Okay, do you see this? You see it? Yeah, yeah. Could I have everybody's attention? There's something I have to say. First of all, Stan, I have to apologize to you. Yeah, sure. I now realize that building that wax fruit factory on your mating ground was wrong. Oh, sure, wax fruit's important, but... But so are bunch beetles. Gee, that's big of you, Earl. And I guess I owe the rest of you an apology, too. You know, for bringing on the end of the world and civilization and everything. And I know I put too much faith in progress and technology. And had too little respect for nature. But it's so easy to take nature for granted because it's always there. And technology is so... Bright and shiny and new. We understand, sweetheart. Understand what? (laughs) Well, little guy, what happened was... Daddy was put in charge of the world, and he didn't take real good care of it. And now it looks like there won't be much of a world left for you or your brother and sister to live in. Are we gonna move? Well... No, there's no place to move to. <laughs> Jesus. This is the only world we got. Well, what's going to happen to us? Well, I don't exactly know. Uh-huh. But whatever it is, 
nobody's gonna leave you. That's right, little guy. We'll all stay together. Yeah, yeah, and hey, I'm sure it'll all work out okay. Yeah. After all, dinosaurs have been on this earth for 150 million years. And it's not like we're gonna just disappear. Oh my god. This is so much more intense than I was told. I know. They're dead now, see? And taking a look at the long-range forecast, continued snow, darkness, and extreme cold. This is Howard Handupme. Good night. What? Goodbye. Oh my That's god, so I thought intense. I thought it was going to be a fucking asteroid. It's just a dour newscast of an ice age. They're dead now. <laughs> Isn't it really intense? Yeah, I thought it was a really good suggestion for something we could have talked about. And exactly for that reason that we were just touching on, you know, that, um, whoa, what a genre. I know, or man. Something that like was that just happened there, right? Four seasons. Okay. Because I wow. remember this basically being kind of like, hmm. Like Roseanne, right? But with dinosaurs. Okay, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, loved that suggestion. Just wanted to bring it up that up is front. So up front. Intense. I wanted to bring it up in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So I wanted to mention that. But um, a couple other things that people have suggested. Okay, so when we asked listeners... The only ones who made suggestions are the, the ones that we'd already done. Yeah, everyone was like, "You should do the Royal Tenenbaums." Were the yeah, exactly. So check out the show, bro. What are you talking about? Um, do you have a film that you want to? I have. I have kind of two appendage. Okay, yeah, I have us. two that I that I thought of. One, I mean, so so the issue that I have in thinking about this is I realize that I don't think about like the family mm-hmm. I, 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 you know it had been, really this podcast and this season of this podcast got me thinking about the family politically more than i have um up to this point and when i think of family movies i think in a way more basic way just like family friendly and sure, sure. And the movie that immediately came to my mind was The Goonies, which does feel like it, you know, says a lot about family uh, mm-hmm. and and chosen family a little bit. It's one of my favorites. I don't know how much of a genre bender it is. I think it's, you know, part of a genre that maybe isn't made so much anymore, but it was definitely mm-hmm. in this kind of Spielbergian kids adventure sort of genre and then the other one 
I watched. I also don't think is quite as genre bender, but I'm actually in the middle of it right now. I thought I would finish it before we started, but I didn't. Is mm. Ladybird because mm. people, you know, post Barbie have been talking about Greta Gerwig, and I didn't realize there was as much Gerwig. I think we talked about this in Nathaniel episode a little bit, but I didn't realize mm-hmm. there was as much Greta Gerwig backlash as there is. Mm-hmm. And rewatching Ladybird. It's still so fucking good, man. And like the thing of the thing of the succession thing we were talking about of like I was watching it with Hope and she was like, "Yeah, I guess that's part of the criticism is that just that it's like pretty white." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Sure, but it's the it's one of the most finely observed movies I've like ever seen. And maybe it's just cuz I come from that sort of suburban milieu, but the way yeah. the mom is telling her to take care of her clothes because she wants them to like not get wrinkled or ruined because the way you dress represents us and if you dress in rags they're going to think of us as I'm like this is so specific. And the fact that it's a Dave Matthews band song, speaking of Garden State, that it's not like this, this very important song in the movie. I have not seen Lady Bird. Yeah. I was going to say this. Yes, yes, yes. Because the same principle, the saturation point. (laughs) Yes. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just, I just want to come clean. No, 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 no. I know. I know. But I, but you know, uh, you know, from Garden State that Natalie Portman says, you know, oh, the shins will change your life. Like, put these headphones on, right? Uh-huh. But Lady Bird, a cooler band is not, like, written in... It's not like the Velvet Underground or something. They're listening to fucking Crash by Dave Matthews Band in 2002, which is exactly the song they would be listening to. And that is so... I was like, that rules, man. And just... And the de- depictions of high school theater and... Mm. It's, it's, I, I think it's a really good family movie, but it is, it's very, um, it's, it's innovations are not in genre. It's, it's, it's a very strict, like coming of age movie, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, uh, I think I mentioned this a few episodes back where we're kind of doing a little bit of this, um, internal processing on the season you know there are a lot of movies like i brought up the shining where Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we could absolutely talk about it because of the theme but it's pretty conventionally a horror film you know right and it doesn't really have any genre problems to unpack so even though we we might recommend it in terms of I mean, its we quality, could stretch anything to include genre. Of problems, course, we could, but yeah. But sometimes that's just disingenuous, and it's just about yes. wanting to watch a movie, <laughs> right, and, right? You know. So I wanted to bring that up. I, um, I had okay. So one of my favorite movies about family. I have two two movies also. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies about family. Oh, I should I should add. Step Brothers is the funniest comedy about family. Okay. 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 I'm down. I said that, but it's a comedy and it's cleanly that genre. Yeah. So, um, this movie, there's like a little bit more genre trouble, but 
Not really, but my favorite movie about family is Moonstruck. I love that movie. Have you seen it? Is it Cher in that? Cher and Nicolas Cage and Olympia Dukakis. Okay. So good. Okay. Danny Aiello. I've never seen it. Uh, Norman Jewison directed. She won the Oscar for it. It's a great, great movie. And it very much is about the constraints of family, um, betrayal within family, the kind of the lies and the secrets, kind of Nathaniel territory that Mm. keep a family um, coherent, um, kind of hold up this fantasy of, of, uh, love and loyalty and things like that. So I recommend it. I love it. It's a great, uh, Nicholas Cage performance. If we look at his career, he wasn't really at a point where he was Nicholas Cage, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, but it, we look back on it and it's just so weird and amazing. He doesn't have a hand. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's because his brother, Danny Aiello, he hasn't talked to his brother in a really long time. And he, Danny Aiello betrays him. I'll say that. Okay. And when Nicholas Cage finds this out, he loses his hand. He's a baker. And it's like mm. his hand gets caught in some machinery Ugh. and he loses his hand. So he has this oh wooden hand and he has this amazing speech that you might, it's very memeable. It's, he's telling Cher about how much he hates his brother and he says, I lost my hand. It's great. You should watch that movie, though. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> um, but, Sorry, I didn't know when the scene was over. Well, I, I didn't know if you I were really taking a dramatic pause. I really could have gone on, but I'm not going to. So You know what the, this is making me realize? Because I, I know you're going to go to your last one, and I want that to be the final yeah. thing we talk about, okay. is we could have done the fucking bear. The bear, yeah. But you were yeah. in the bear. I know. And but, that would be awkward. Yeah, that would be weird. But... Um, but it's a great, great, great depiction of the family and a family that's like bleeding around the edges. Family dysfunction, for sure. Family dysfunction, yeah. the biological family, the property-bound family, proper or the private family, and its dysfunction. But also this other kind of family that's being kind of constantly made and yes, and then also you know uh, endangered by the hierarchical structure of a kitchen, right? So I I yeah. love it as a representation of the kitchen. This is something I've thought a lot about. And um, well, and I think that yeah. it's genre stuff is very interesting. Like I, I actually am more interested yeah. in the genre stuff than the family stuff even. Um, yeah, sure. Because some of the volume of the family stuff is just, it's just very chaotic in a way that I find a little bit like much sometimes, but like, there's there's the the scene in Copen the the episode in Copenhagen directed by Rami mm-hmm. Youssef. Mm-hmm. Uh it's like half a chef's table episode. It's like it feels like half a documentary. And that shit's fucking yeah. cool. I was like, "Oh my god, we really are like letting story fall away even here in some ways." And that was I thought yeah. that was very fun. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, the second yeah. season has been doing a lot with genre mm-hmm. in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. So Not a lot even with it- the critic character. That, yeah, uh, I know. It does not feature Dave <laughs> in it, but but he might come back in the third season. I can only hope, Lord. He might because I've the seen what you've done for others. They're 
the restaurant needs to be reviewed. So, okay, okay, just saying. Well, please, please, please. Just please. putting it out there. Maybe just I've gotten a. Maybe maybe the character's gotten a, 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 a not a raise, a, a, a new position. A, maybe I've become like a reviewer for like a more prestigious. Maybe I've gotten a more prestigious review position. Listen, mm. I can spitball. Okay. You guys need Christopher Storer or whatever your name is. Let me. I got that ideas. Out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So yes. my, I really struggled with this assignment that I in fact gave us, which is to come up with a couple of things, you know, that didn't make it into the season for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. like mostly for genre reasons, too straightforward. But this week. In fact, yesterday, well, actually Sunday night, we lost um, one of my favorite comedians and probably my, if I were to rank it in my ultimate like parasocial relationships, pretty high up there, um, Pee Wee Herman, well, Paul Rubens, Um, and I really love Pee Wee and felt like it would be a great way to um, honor him, to to include him in this list. I really want to recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it, which seems like a lot because it came out in 2016 as uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Did you ever see it? I haven't seen literally any Pee Wee Herman stuff. I am gonna start crying right now that's very sad well it's um, now all available there for me to watch I know. yeah i've done this i've been this person as an adult to my adult friends many of whom were a little bit younger it makes sense with your background that you didn't yeah, have a yeah. peewee in your childhood um max well the fucking Fox, who's, the media shit writ, like my parents that's were what like, i want this guy's about. a creep yeah. yeah exactly he's dangerous to children Um, so Max came and hung out with me the day that I got one of my wisdom teeth extracted Mm -hmm. and I was high as a kite and he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I really want to show you, uh, Pee Wee's big adventure or no Pee Wee's big holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found out he hadn't seen any Pee Wee. So I probably should have started with Pee Wee's big adventure, but I did Pee Wee's big holiday and I really recommend this movie. Um, So it is a little bit of a sleeper. It came out on Netflix in 2016. It's a little bit of a straight-to-video kind of vibe. But it was directed by um, John Michael Lee, who's, um, you know, of Wonder Chosen. And it has a really nice... um, It just has a really nice vibe. Um, In many ways, it's a kind of straightforward I think what they call like a no it's not a legacy reboot because it still has the same central character but it's working with the same formula as Pee Wee's Big Adventure where it's like a road trip kind of a movie Mm. but what I really love about Pee Wee all of his movies um, but especially this one Pee Wee's Big Holiday is that it's about friendship and he becomes friends with Joe, I always have a really hard time saying his name. Joe Mangonello. Yeah, Mangonello. Magic, 
Mangianello yeah. from Magic Mike, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to call him Joe. Okay, so he shows yeah. up in the diner that Pee Wee works at and like the real character, right? He's playing himself or a version of himself. And Pee Wee doesn't know who he is, but they kind of like fall in love, okay? Okay. But they don't quite. And the movie's doing a really great thing at winking at the fact that, like Pee Wee always does, winking at the gayness, winking at, winking at the queer, but it's layered because it's winking at the thing that got Paul Rubens, like whatever, canceled before cancel culture. Like, and actually legitimately, like he actually was, right? He was taking out the air. He was getting all these like death threats and like hiding for years, you know? So, um, it's kind of playing with the perception of Pee Wee as gay, but it's really like thinking about Pee Wee as this, like, he is a child. He is a kind of Peter Pan figure. Um, He's pre-sexual, so however much we sexualize him, that's kind of what we're doing to him. Mm-hmm, He's very mm-hmm. resistant to being sexualized in a lot of ways, but he kind of falls in love with Joe Mang... How do you say it? I looked it up. Manganello. Manganello. He kind of falls in yeah. love with him, and Joe Manganello okay. tells him, come to my birthday party in New York. It's in like a week. So then that leads Pee Wee to get out of his town where life is very um, routinized and kind of a little Mm. bit boring. And he goes and it's like this romantic journey to meet like kind of like the Odyssey or something like that. He's like, I got to go and I got to go to Joe's birthday party. And um, and it's it's really a beautiful um exploration of of their friendship and like that they just have all of these things in common and and really enjoy each other and that that's actually what's motivating it's not romance it's not procreative it's not queer necessarily but it is about the kind of queerness of friendship Mm -hmm. and i just really like it and one of the things i've been thinking a lot about with Pee Wee is how much he and by he i mean paul rubens um respected children and their sense of humor. Yeah. And um, it's not a comedy that talks down to children. Um, So I was talking to Thule about this yesterday because we were just kind of really sad about this. Pee-wee's been really big for Thule. I've all just showed Thule a lot of Pee-wee. Pee-wee's just always been part of their childhood. Um, And... Tulu was kind of talking about how so many kids' movies talk down to kids and think kids are stupid, you know, mm-hmm, and that that's mm-hmm. part of why from a pretty early age, Tuli just stopped liking kids' movies because it was insulting, you yeah. know? And um, there's something really beautiful about the respect that Pee Wee has towards kids and the complexity of their wit and sense of humor and sarcasm mm-hmm. Um, and it's very imaginative and it's in fact, if it's living, looking down on anyone, it's looking down on adults. And I love that about all of, um, all of his stuff. Um, but the other thing I was thinking about is like, okay, so his show got canceled in 1991, the summer of 91. Mm -hmm. How old were you? 
I would have been just under like six and a half. So yeah, yeah, I was just about to turn six. Yeah, and but I remember this. I remember one day there was Pee Wee, and then Pee Wee disappeared, and no one would tell me what happened to Pee Wee. And I in fact wrote an essay about this that's in this um, pop culture anthology called Obsessed, which came out from Gimmick Press a few years ago, mm. just about making sense of what happened to Pee-wee, why he disappeared from my childhood. And it was all about, you know, slowly discovering that he was, quote, dangerous to children, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the person who told me that he was dangerous to children was a child abuser, okay? Um, <sighs> oh, my God. Uh, but a Catholic, right? a family values person mm -hmm. who listened to Rush Limbaugh, right? but was actually a child abuser, right? Right, right. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about this, and the other person who died this last week is Sinead O'Connor, who also, within that same year, it was mm. 1992, ripped up the picture of the Pope. And this is another memory that I had. I actually remember watching that on TV. And these two people who, you know, before we had the, the language of cancel, which like we, we don't use, if not sarcastically, but like they right. were canceled, right? Yeah. And it was for speaking up against like actual child abuse, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, in Sinead O'Connor's case, right. and being targeted in this kind of way that we're seeing a lot with like drag queens and things like that of right, like being a child right. groomer. So there's something kind of eerie about having lost Sinead O'Connor and Paul Rubens in the same week. And this specific moment that both of them really pinpoint for me having to do with, you know, questions of, you know, being dangerous to children and who right. does and doesn't get called that and for what reasons. I mean, Paul Rubens was just in a adult movie theater. It was a sting operation, you know, but the Christian right wanted him to be shut down. And so it was an opportunity. Um, and I don't know. Do you have, I don't know if you have we were talking about parasocial relationships in the beginning and both of them are like actually pretty important parasocial relationships I had in the early nineties as a child. Yeah. That's so, you wild. know, I don't know. I mean, Do you have any I thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have the same thing with either of them. My, but my memory of Pee Wee Herman, I didn't watch the show. It was just told to me. I feel like I saw maybe like tabloid headlines or something and mm -hmm. asked my parents about it. Like and, at the grocery store or something. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah. And I remember it ta them talking about him exposing himself in a movie theater. And so yeah. my memory, you know, the image I conjured of that is of him in a general admission movie theater, like showing his dick to like kids you know and then that's mixed yeah. up with like the the quote popcorn trick images of like maybe he had From his the movie diner 
Is that from Diner? I just know yeah, it. Mickey I feel like Rourke's there's in so many. That. Okay. Yeah. yeah but it, like, it comes from Mickey Rourke's character in Barry Levinson's Diner. It's God. disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So like, so that I, maybe that was part of my image of him or something. And and it's just like, but but I think it also was just the fact that it was, it was enough for the Christian right just to say he was at an adult movie theater. And the fact that he acknowledged that porn exists, that he was there at it was what, even if he wasn't masturbating was still, or whatever he, I don't, I have no idea what he actually was doing, but like, yeah, that was enough just when it's, yeah, so absurd and created such a stigma for me of like, even porn is or even like touching yourself like even in the private of your own home it's just like you start extrapolating all of these like well if this is true then that's true then that's true then that's true Mm -hmm. until it's just like any sexual thought you have is just wrong and and i think the thing you're saying because it's like there are important differences between because 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 i guess what they're both doing is they're both standing up for kids and mm-hmm. I guess that is the radical act that gets yeah. demonized. And in the way Exactly, yeah. The thing the thing yeah. that's radical now is standing up for trans kids. Is is right. and it's and what it is is it's standing up for kids to know themselves in any way. To be right. like to be to to trust a kid to know enough about gender to learn and to be able to say, Hey, I feel this way. It's like, well, you can't be, you can't feel anything magically when you turn 18, a switch flips. And it's like, I know. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love how you link, link them because they are both like, they're both child liberationist figures in my mm-hmm. mind, right? Mm-hmm. They're both totally. really standing up for speaking for children in an, as, you know, whatever, as allies or they're speaking in solidarity with, with children right. in this way that, um, that was what was so dangerous about them. But, um, well, that would be another assignment. How about if I watch Lady Bird, you'll watch some Pee Wee, any Pee Wee. Honestly, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Big Top Pee Wee, I would say needs to not be the first place to start. Okay. Um, But um, yeah, with Max, I've found that like starting with the last film, Big Holiday from 2016, was a great entree, especially for someone in our generation who... um, You know, for whatever reason, there's so many reasons why... Some people didn't have access to Pee-wee. But I just think back on this, you know, one year of my life where I had Pee-wee and I fucking loved Mm Pee-wee. And then just gone, right? Um, And just the trauma of that, um, that disappearance and having these questions that weren't really answered. And um, I don't know. Well, I so, would add, I, I think that's a great assignment, but you know what else we both have to do? What? Is, wa- is watch 8th grade. Ugh, okay, <laughs> fine. 
I will. I'll watch it. I will. I'm curious about it. I uh, yeah. I feel like we'll it, I feel like it. it will. I feel like it might end up being more pro child than than you. I uh, I I have I have medium solid positive expectations for it. I'm hopeful, but I do want to say that my problem with the movie isn't about the movie itself per se, but how it was being discussed at the time. And I'm like, where are the red flags? Where is anybody raising a red flag about this? Bo Burnham is making a movie about an eighth grade girl. Can, can somebody raise one of these flags? And I just found the, the silence around it. It, It's important to be, in fact, I think a film like that is better if there's some pushback that it can work against, you know, that there's some kind of sure. friction and I it, just can, think that- it can do something different than what we, what we think it will do. But it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a Humbert, Humbert scenario, you know, and it's, well, but I had that, to, but- I had to recognize that. We I don't. I don't know if that's that didn't the case. Recognize though. Lolitas, you know, that was constantly propagating these Lolitas and and not thinking about it, you know. So, but I don't remember it ever being like. Maybe this is proving your point. I don't remember it ever being portrayed as a Humbert Humbert thing. It. I always like I said exactly. in the Rothaniel thing though. It was always like he's done with stand up. Mm-hmm. He wants to make things outside his own experience. And I think it's, I think it is dangerous yeah. if we're saying like, you are limited to your own identity. Oh, totally. It's, you it's know? true. And if that's his project, that's great. But if you need to make sense of it in terms of his project, then he has to be the kind of center of how we make sense of things. That's also, you know, not a road I want to go down. So I want to watch it, but I'm just I'm just airing my skepticism, you know, ahead of ahead of time. I think it's yeah. important to to do that because, the, yeah, we we make taste based decisions, and this is just something that just the vibe of it just sketched me out. You know, I I, uh, uh, I yeah, want to avoid that. You can't change how you feel for sure. No, but I think I think it's worth it for both of us to actually watch yes. the things that we talk. about. I know, I know, I know. I and I and I never mean to imply that I have. I I always mean to be honest about. Yes, as I've said a number of times with Garden State, my feelings about Garden State are as a person who has not seen Garden State. Right. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. How, yes. You know. I've seen. I've seen it different. though. I can. I can speak to it. Yeah. Well, I think this is. You know, this is a good wrap up and. This is nice. We are we're working on our um plans for the next season. Mm-hmm. So we don't need another hero. If you have suggestions, please. Please let us know. We're interested in suggestions. Um genre reveal party at gmail.com at genre reveal pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh mm-hmm. please hit us up, DM us, email us. Doesn't I I think with emails people feel like they have to be well spoken or something. You can just shoot the just title of a movie. Email. Right. It's yeah, fine. exactly. It's fine. But I have really, really loved the um, dialogue that's popped up around the podcast. The way it's connected me to to you and to other people, and just yeah, watching. We're in a time where people are watching things, but they're rarely at the same time. It's very rarely synchronous and that's part of what the whole barbenheimer thing is about it's like oh we're just latching onto this thing that we're doing somewhat simultaneously and like having yeah. a kind of nostalgia for what that was 
like Once Upon a Time, perhaps. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. But I love this version of it where we're really critically unpacking something and, and like meeting new people. And I've um, really appreciated anybody who's written to us with suggestions or mm-hmm. thoughts. Or so, texted or whatever, you know. Anything. If, it's great. If you the, want to – the best way to to be tuned in to when the show comes back is just to subscribe in whatever yep. your app is and tell people about the show. We've got these 14 with the two bonuses uh, episodes for people to dive into. Hopefully you enjoy the – the lengthy discussion the way that we do and uh and if you don't fuck off you know, <laughs> just... and okay i'm gonna play us out are you ready yep love okay. you all let me warm my See fingers you next up season boom if only podcasting were a visual medium, I really love the hand gestures. Yeah.